because what I see as the opportunity is that let everybody else go and, and run to these places that they think are the meccas and, and have their fun. But we can, as angel investors and as, as part of the tech ecosystem, we can, we can live like kings and queens in our local place areas and we can really catalyze innovation and be part of that that foundation welcome to unvalley the show for leaders who want to unlock their full potential and plug into the biggest opportunities in tech and startups beyond silicon valley I'm your host, Matt Hunkler, CEO of Powder Keg, and I'm excited to share that today we're talking to none other than Arlen Hamilton. Arlen is the founder and managing partner of Backstage Capital, a venture capital firm dedicated to minimizing funding disparities in tech by investing in high potential founders who are people of color, women, and or LGBTQ. Backstage has raised tens of millions of dollars, invested in 200 startups led by underestimated founders, and has been featured in Forbes, Fortune, Wall Street Journal, CNN Money, Inc., Entrepreneur, and Quartz, among many others. Arlen also founded Hire Runner, a talent operations startup that connects outstanding operations talent with inclusive companies. She also published It's About Damn Time, her book detailing her journey from homelessness to venture capital. In today's episode of Unvalley, you're going to hear Arlen's incredible story and learn some of her best strategies that have helped her succeed in venture capital, startups, and tech, despite enormous challenges. Unvalley is brought to you by Powderkeg, the only private member network focused on supporting tech companies and leaders in fast-growing communities beyond Silicon Valley. We recorded this interview during a virtual event hosted by Powder Keg, and we're sharing it publicly for the first time just for you here on the Unvalley podcast. Let's dive in. Arlen, thanks for being here today. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me here, Matt. Absolutely. So excited to, uh, to have this conversation. We do have the um, stage chat going on right now for this particular event. So say hello. We got hello from Michael Scott. Uh, in Indianapolis, Indiana. Um, I don't think that's the same one from Dunder Mifflin Paper Company, but who knows? <laughs> um, Arlen, I'm so excited to talk to you because I'm a big fan of your book. I've been following you ever since we actually met in Nashville, Tennessee at a conference called 3686 years yes. ago. Yes. And um, so moved by your work. Uh, it's very inspiring. And I think you're just really tapping into so much untapped potential that we have here in the US and, and globally. Um, you, of course, had your book, It's About Damn Time. Could you maybe tell us what this book means to you and what you want readers to know? Sure, yeah. Well, thanks again, everybody. And it's great to see uh, a lot of familiar names um, and meet, meet some of you all. Uh, it's About Damn Time, which by the way, Will Smith they they bleeped the damn, and so it sounds like it's a much more racy book <laughs> when you do that. Uh, but it's it's it, the subtitle is how to turn uh, being underestimated into your biggest advantage or to your greatest advantage, and it's it's a part memoir of course, so it tells you kind of how the how I got from uh, where I was just a few years ago, which was pretty much penniless and, and had food insecurities and, but at the same time, very curious and had an exciting kind of uh, life that I, that I led um, to how I, how I got here to the 160 companies, um, um, all just really breaking into to Silicon Valley and, and beyond. And then it's part business book, 
um, because it's very important if you go if you go to any any bookstore indie or or mainstream or any airport bookstore and you look in the business section you see very very few black women on the covers of these magazines I mean sorry these uh, books uh, and uh, you know so many had inspired me and so I wanted to make sure that we were that this book was on a, what's on currency which is Random House's business imprint and nothing else and and then it's part um, kind of inspirational people have been saying it's like a self-help stuff too because I really did write it for I wrote it for the reader and I know that sounds so corny but I did I wrote it for me 10 years ago and for the people that I get to meet around the country and around the world um, I've been really fortunate to meet over the past five years there's so many great moments in that book um, and certainly a lot of really hard challenges that you've overcome is there one of those moments that stands out to you as uh, maybe one of the lowest lows, but one of the biggest breakthroughs for you? Um, I mean, when I think of lowest lows, I first think about like living at the airport, which wasn't good and I don't recommend it. And I don't recommend anybody think that that's, you know, where they need to be rock bottom. But it was like, I was in San Francisco. So I would see tech people I recognized from online walk past me and while I was on the ground. And so that was, uh, that was definitely, you know, figuratively and literally bottom, rock bottom, and not knowing how long that would last. And so that's mm -hmm. been a big part of what has made it possible for me to kind of withstand COVID. I kind of, it's like the count of Monte Cristo, Cristo right? It's like, <laughs> I ha I kind of, I've, I've been where I didn't know how many more days I was going to have to mark on that wall. And so after I cried and after I uh, mourned what, what was what is happening with COVID, and still today more than that. Um, I also understood. Okay, I can I can probably make it through this because I, I know what uncertainty looks like. Um, so that's that in itself is a breakthrough, and 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 help this year not be as um, just hopeless as I think it could have been. And then and then because I can feel that way, I can I can I can spread that as much as possible. Other times have been where. A lot of people were counting on me for capital and I had had it lined up, you know, in the last three, three years I had lined, had it lined up um, and something happened on, on the other end where it fell through some way, somehow under out of control and, and felt like so many people were, were not going to be just disappointed because it wasn't about the vanity of it. It was more like they were counting on it for their own livelihood. And to, to know that I had to go back and say, Hey, it didn't come through like we thought it would. Um, but to but to the point I make in the book, there there have been so many times where I had like a door slammed in my face only to find that the right around the corner was a better room, was a better opportunity, a bigger window or whatever, right? And so a lot of times that breakthrough doesn't happen on the same day that the that the rock bottom happens, but it, it's around the corner and a lot of times. Are there things that you do when you run into those challenges? Um, you hit those rock bottom moments to break through and keep going. Uh, yeah, I think. I mean, it's just taken a long time. It wasn't like I was really good at this uh, the whole time, but it. It. I am. Uh, I just. I guess I just kind of have an internal coach, you know, that I, I just kind of speak to. I also speak to the reality of the situation and then the surrealness of a situation. So I think being practical 
and realistic and also having a sense of humor about things has helped has helped save my life on multiple occasions, you know, say, save the day, certainly. And so it's just like, how surreal is this that you can mm. go for this? Because a lot of times when I have like really bad moments and this, I think a lot of people may be able to relate to this. It'll be behind the scenes, but in like online or something, it'll look like things are going really well. And so it's almost like I can just sit back and just be like, it's so funny that people, that people just are like, oh, I, I wish I had what you have. And then I have to say, well, do you want the heartache too? Do you want all of this that goes with it? It's, it's, and so just being kind of realistic has been helpful, but it's always feet on the ground, head in the clouds. It's always a healthy mixture of both. I love that feet on the ground, head in the clouds. Uh, you mentioned your internal coach. What kinds of things does your internal coach say to you that keeps you going when say you're living at the airport or the funding mm -hmm. doesn't come through? What, what does your internal coach say to you that keeps you going? Well, these days with the re re repetition and, 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 and the algorithm being able, you know, to, to, to recognize it these days, it says there's going to be something else that was supposed to happen, that this, this is why this didn't happen. And, and a lot of people can, 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 that, that may be spirit, spirituality for them. That may be, you know, something else for them. But for me, that's where, what it, where it comes from. Um, and then it's also look, look what you've done. Like, look where you got yourself and really take stock of that. Cause I don't spend every day thinking about that. I think about that very, I only use that for the fuel I need to stand back up when I've fallen. So I, I say, okay, you were able to do all this other stuff under these circumstances and it's incredible. And let's go, let's use that. Let's keep going. Um, it's also helpful to think about what people can't take away from you when something like mm -hmm. this happens. They can't take away the accomplishments of the past. They can't take away your reputation, what you've meant to people. They can't take away um, um, the the impact and the catalyst, uh, you know, catalyzing that has been done. Like it, I, I so this is when things are really bad, and I have to like drop the bomb, right? It's, I say, if I were to stop today, I could still be proud. And that, if I need that, I'll go to that. I love that. That that sense of uh, security and kind of being okay with how things are. I, I imagine you draw a lot of power from that. Um, and I, I see a lot of people in the chat here who are seem to be uh, enormous fans of yours, not surprisingly. I've got a good question here from Brandy Coates uh, from New York City by way of the Midwest. Um, she asks, uh, five years is a short time to go from living at SFO to where you are now. What got, uh, what got you off the ground and what was the inflection point for your mm -hmm. growth? Um, I was fueled by, and this is going to go into the main question, main answer. I was fueled by the black and brown and women and LGBTQ founders that I was meeting, uh, that had been meeting for years and knowing about. And I knew that backstage needed to exist for them because it, 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 there was, it was undeniable and unquestionable at that point. So I was always uh, buoyed by that, I believe is how you pronounce it. And so that kept me going. The, the turning point, one of the turning points, there were, there were a few, but one of the turning points was, was working very diligently and then, st you know, staying the course, talking to the founders. And then, and then one day uh, an angel investor named Susan Kimberlin put in the first capital she gave me capital. She said, use half of it to invest in somebody else and use half of it to invest in yourself uh, in no uncertain terms, you know, and, and, and that really kicked things off. And then I was able to like slowly, but surely 
bring in one person the next month and then a couple of months went by and it was you know but when i because i had been so it had been so like i don't want to say rock bottom over and over again but it was just like so close to the bone i had no money up to that point i was not about to ever be in that position again so when I got, you know, the 25,000 to invest in someone else, I already knew who that was going to be because I had been working with founders for years. And when I got the 25,000 to invest in myself, I didn't, you know, I didn't even go out for a, a fancy dinner or anything to celebrate. I just was, I literally, what I did was I was in the parking lot of, uh, of, a, of a Mountain View grocery store where, that I had been using as my outdoor office. I went into, once I got that word, that I was going to have the wire. I went into that store. I got the grocery store sushi and a cupcake and I celebrated by myself. And then I got on a plane to Los Angeles where I knew I could kind of sit up shop. And that is how I kind of stepped into the immediate moment of we're in business and not the, what do I do now? Which I think was so pivotal to, to, to having this trajectory. Absolutely. Well, and you mentioned Susan Kimberlin as that first investor that put money in. Clearly, you uh, raised so much more funding since then and helped connect founders to so much funding. It seems like a large portion of your career is dedicated to creating more access to capital. Why is access to capital so important, whether you're in Silicon Valley or you're in Nashville, Tennessee? Well, money isn't everything. And I can tell you that as someone who's never, who hasn't had money and someone who's had money, it isn't everything for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, but when you're thinking about when you're starting these companies and when you're growing companies, your competition in a lot of, a lot of cases has, has access to capital. Um, I have different points of view about where you get that capital. I don't think venture capital is the end all. I think mm -hmm. bootstrapping is incredibly effective and can be very lucrative for yourself holding on to equity. I'm a big fan of it. It's how I've launched my new company. My new side project has been bootstrapped when I had the option to raise capital outside. Um, and, you know, it's, it's also historically, we've just we as underrepresented founders have just dealt with so much less. We've done so much more with so much less. So when I was getting started almost a decade ago, looking at these stats, I'm seeing that black women got 0.0002% or something like that of venture capital. It's only gone up by a little bit, you know, two years ago, 2018, um, 2018, I believe there were hundred, there's $130 billion in venture capital that was, that was deployed and uh, 250 million went to black women, which is the equivalent of one round of funding for bird scooters. So, you know, I can't, I can't have a, a serious conversation with a, with a white investor saying, you know, why don't you just make do with what you have? And why don't you, it's almost like the Shonda Rhimes, you know, if we read the Hollywood Reporter, Shonda Rhimes talks about how she's Shonda Rhimes and she built ABC's prime time as it is today, Grey's Anatomy, how to get away with murder, et cetera, et cetera. And she was trying to get uh, a ticket to Disneyland, which is Disney World, which is owned by or Disneyland, I think, which is owned by Disney, which, uh, by ABC and Disney are owned by the same people. And she couldn't get more than one pass for some reason. And she called in and said, why can't I get a pass? And they said, don't you have enough? is what was said to her. Don't you have enough? As in the millions of dollar contract. Well, she makes a billion for them. 
So no, the answer is no. So that's part of it too. It's part of it is, you know, uh, so many founders get to build, and it's not just a black or white thing. I, I recognize that a hundred percent. I've met multiple white founders who are like, where are those checks are given out? <laughs> Cause I didn't, <laughs> right. But it is true that we can all agree. I think that we can all agree that it is worse for black founders. It is tougher for black founders. And if it's tough for you, imagine what it's like if you were walking around in our, in our skin. And Absolutely. there, it's just, you know, being on that level footing to say what could be, what could be accomplished if they were given the same, if we were given the same footing. Unvalley is brought to you by Powderkeg, the only private member network focused on supporting tech companies and leaders in fast growing communities beyond Silicon Valley. You can visit powderkeg.com to begin connecting with tens of thousands of professionals, peers, and partners in tech communities across the U.S. and around the world. You can apply for Powder Keg Premium Membership consideration today by going to powderkeg.com slash premium. This gives you superpowers in the Powder Keg community and is definitely worth applying for if you think you qualify. This is specifically for leaders at high growth tech companies and startups that are scaling beyond Silicon Valley. Again, that's powderkeg.com slash premium and you can apply today. What do you think is the biggest opportunity in tech hubs outside of Silicon Valley and New York City? Oh, I mean, just the, the people, the innovation, the, the perspective. Um, I think that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm biased because I was born in Jackson, Mississippi, and I, I grew up in Dallas, Texas. And I think both uh, are really interesting. Dallas is just, it, every time I go back, I can't believe how much it's grown. It was already a huge uh, place, but it is incredible. And I have a joint venture with Mark Cuban. And so, uh, and my family, most of my family, like close family still lives there. So I spend a lot of time, I expect to spend a lot of time there um, and growing that local ecosystem. And then Jackson, Jackson, I, I lived in Jackson for just a little bit of time when I was a senior in high school. And we were um, unfortunately, you know, again, homeless. It's been a pattern. And uh, we stay with, with family. And I was, this is my senior year, I had been at the same school all my life in Dallas, and it was a very nice school. And I went to Jackson to sign in, and there was a fight in the hallway with a teacher and a student hmm. while I was sitting in the thing. And I found out that as a senior, you had to share books with your classmates. You couldn't take them home, you had to share, because they didn't have the resources. And so just knowing that type of um, poverty and resource, lack of resources in Jackson, especially for black people. And to know today that a friend of mine, Nashley Cephas, born and raised in Jackson, Mississippi, went on to become a CTO of a company that was led by a black woman in Atlanta, part pick, sold to Amazon. She then went on to work at Amazon on some of their, uh, uh, what they're working on their AI. She's now a millionaire along with Jewel who's the CEO, she went back and now she has a $25 million development in downtown Jackson, Mississippi for tech, for to be a tech hub. And it's all opening in 2021. And okay. so because what I see as the opportunity is that let everybody else go and, and run to these places that they think are the meccas and, and have their fun. But we can, as angel investors and as, as part of the tech ecosystem, we can, we can live like kings and queens in our local play areas and we can really catalyze innovation and be part of that that foundation so it's, it's incredibly exciting and in our lifetimes we'll never reach all of the potential there and it's incredibly uh, inspiring 
I, I'm so glad you shared that story because I think it just perfectly illustrates the example of untapped potential uh, in tech outside of Silicon Valley. And I know you're doing a lot more uh, with your recent projects to tap into more of that potential. Um, Backstage Crowd is a platform that you've launched to give more angel investors, more high net worth individuals, more access to a broader range of startups that are in these high, you know, high density, high opportunity areas like Jackson, Mississippi, but all over the world. Can you mm -hmm. talk a little bit about Backstage Crowd and how that came about? Yeah, Backstage Crowd is our, our new syndicate. We just launched it officially this year. Uh, we launched it in June and have been able to put together 10 deals uh, for, for accredited investors, $1.6 million rate, dollars raised. The first deal we did, we did 500,000 in two weeks. Um, and this was really a reaction to a lot that happened this summer, you know, that happened in May with George Floyd and that happened after that where we were still, I didn't want us, I didn't want backstage to now be someone's ticket to a, an apology, you know? And so there was a lot of that type of money that was kind of looking at us. And then there was a type of dangling money of, we, we know we're supposed to do something, but now you have to jump through these other hoops after and tell us why you are worthy, even though we were the ones that they should be emulating. Right. So mm -hmm. I said, enough of that. I'm not going to do that with institutionals. If they want to invest in us, they can come along and they can ask and they can we can talk about it like, you know, adults, but we're not going to play a game. And so I said, think about the crowd. There are so many accredited and non-accredited. We have two tracks. We have both tracks. Right. But there are so many accredited investors who don't even know they are accredited, who don't even know they can invest in, in private companies. There are so many, you know, they make two hundred thousand dollars or more or three hundred thousand with your spouse. Uh, and there's other ways you can look it up, too. There's so many investors who could put a th put a thousand dollars into a, a company. We're, we might put a hundred thousand in, and then, you know, about forty people put in twenty five hundred average, and we have a two hundred thousand dollar deal for a company. And they are on the terms that we've negotiated, and it makes it easy. So if you're familiar with like Angel List or anything like that, that's the same kind of vibe, but it's on our own platform. So that's uh, backstagecrowd.com for accredited and non-accredited investors, and you can just sign up. When you sign up for it, you'll get an immediate uh, email that tells you a lot of next, you know, not next steps, but tells you a lot of information to reference. There's an FAQ on the site itself. And we've had a lot of fun with that. And I think um, in January, we, we're going to really crank things up and it's going to be very exciting. One of the things I keep hearing about um, and have heard about over the last decade, uh, but it seems like more and more is in the forefront of the consciousness of the tech industry is that owning equity in companies is how you can generate true wealth in the mm -hmm. tech industry. Mm -hmm. And you've already mentioned one with a founder uh, generating wealth uh, by starting several companies, this new development project in Jackson, Mississippi. Um, how are investors now, because of platforms like Backstage Crowd, no. generating true wealth by owning yeah. more well, so it's, it's you know, we have it right now. You see the DoorDash, you see Airbnb, you see Slack, you see all of that happening. And you hear all the stories of I put in $5,000 and now it's worth all this. Now, that is very rare, first of all. Venture is risky. And I say that to everybody. But the reason most of the people saying today, seven years later, five years later, I put in 5000 is because they were part of some sort of little closed group. They knew they went to college with this person or they knew that person or whatever they got in. And that's how they're able to do it. They, if you do that enough and you diversify your portfolio in tech enough, you could have 
you know, some outsized return returns if you're if you're diligent and disciplined and you go through a, a lot of steps. But the problem had been in the past before there was the angel list and all those types of platforms where you couldn't get into the deals to begin with. So then it doesn't really matter. But if with Backstage Crowd, we have all types of companies that we spent the last five years really working with and, you know, in the trenches with. And there are some of those companies, again, all speculative and all risky, but there are some of those companies who could go on to be those billion dollar companies that we're talking about. And because we're able to negotiate those terms, our, our syndicate can, can be part of those terms. So that when we're celebrating in two years and five years and 10 years, we're not celebrating siloed ourselves and saying, look what Backstage was able to do. We're saying we all got a, a slice of this. And I think if you do that enough and you diversify your portfolio and, and, and have a uh, strategy, which we talk about in that email that you get, I think you can um, work towards that. And you can also use it as a training ground for more direct investments. So you do this to, to kind of get your feet wet and then start creating those, um, those uh, relationships for more. I personally have the seven um, income streams and one of them is this, and you know, that'll, that'll, it, it's, 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 it's about, you know, I think about the DoorDash drivers. Um, and I think people are going to be doing more and more of this in the future, but it's one thing to be a DoorDash driver and to, celebrate. But I would I would rather that DoorDash driver were able to put a thousand dollars in when they first, you know, when they first got in and have that equity that's worth now what 10 or 20. Absolutely. I, I love that uh so much of what you've done has helped decentralize um the the sort of centralization of wealth in Silicon Valley and gives more opportunity to more people to share in the upside. It doesn't mm -hmm. necessarily mean less funding in the Valley. There's just so much untapped potential elsewhere. Yeah. And uh, this kind of innovation is amazing. So, so yeah. thanks for doing that. Thank you. I'd say also, if you're, if you're interested in joining the, the syndicate to get more information, sign up at Backstage Crowd. If you're not, or you just kind of want to learn more about Backstage, go to backstagecapital.com and sign up to our newsletter. Yeah. We're going to have a big announcement the first week of January that I want everybody to be around and to make sure you don't miss. Awesome. That's a, that's a really good call to action. Um, what are you most excited about for 2021 in tech? Um, what am I most excited about? Um, I'm just excited about all the, the, the potential of the crowd. I'm, I, I think that there's nothing, there are no rules to say that venture capitalists are supposed to have all the fun are supposed to be and even if you are a vc and you you know your your family should be part of this your you know the other people in your network should be part of it this is all for all of us we all have inherited this and so us getting all of us getting the piece of the, the slice of the pie to me is incredibly exciting using our expertise our insights our, our resources our time our confidence all of that and pouring that into other founders and just watching that you know, watching those seeds grow over the next two, three decades. It's just incredibly exciting to me. It, it, it shoots me out of bed every day. And I would Absolutely. say, uh, Jamie, there's a there's a link on my Instagram profile that's a link tree le uh, link that you could probably copy and paste and put in the chat. That would be, that would help everybody get to that Will Smith. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for calling that out. And I'm, I'm really excited about that opportunity too. I think um, not just... Uh, not just for the early stage, but people that are already in it, they've been doing it. Maybe they've been bootstrapped. 
And now they're looking to raise some capital. Um, there's just so much untapped potential. And I, I really just want to say thank you again for everything that you have done, uh, which you can't even list it all off in half an hour. Um, but thanks for the work that you're doing. And thanks for being here today, Adam Valley. Yeah, thanks, everybody. I really appreciate it. And have a great uh, rest of your event here. It looks really awesome. Me too. Thanks, Arlen. That's it for today's show. Thank you so much for listening or watching if you're tuning in on YouTube or watching the video version of this podcast. A huge thanks to Arlen Hamilton for sharing her story and insights with the Unvalley community. Make sure you check out her exclusive academy at arlensacademy.com. And Arlen, as I mentioned previously, also has a great podcast named Your First Million with incredible guests like Sofia Amoroso and Mark Cuban. It's a binge-worthy show and definitely worth checking out at yfmpodcast.com. For links to Arlen's social profiles and the other people, companies, and resources mentioned in this episode, head on over to powderkeg.com and check out our show notes for this episode. Thanks for tuning into Unvalley, the show for leaders who want to unlock their full potential and plug into the biggest opportunities in tech and startups beyond Silicon Valley. Unvalley is brought to you by Powderkeg, the only private member network focused on supporting tech companies and leaders in fast-growing communities beyond Silicon Valley. To get the latest Unvalley news, trends, and guides, subscribe to the Unvalley newsletter from Powderkeg at powderkeg.com slash newsletter. It's 100% free and plugs you into the hottest tech companies, startup opportunities, and jobs beyond Silicon Valley. Subscribe today at powderkeg.com slash newsletter. And to be the first to hear the stories about entrepreneurs, investors, and other tech leaders outside of Silicon Valley, subscribe to Unvalley wherever you listen to podcasts at powderkeg.com slash Unvalley. If you're already subscribed and like what you've heard, I would love to hear from you. Please leave us a review for Unvalley. Uh, you will actually have a chance to get a shout out on the show, some VIP perks, and maybe even participate in one of our upcoming interviews. I'd love to include you. We'll catch you next time on Unvalley, a powder keg original production right here. Since you just listened to this podcast, you might be thinking about starting one for your company. Lucky for you, our partners over at Casted have you covered. Casted is the first and only podcast and video marketing platform made specifically for B2B brands. I love this about them. The platform makes it possible to publish, syndicate, amplify, and measure the value of your podcast and video content. In fact, we use it for our podcast here at Powder Keg. Of course, this one you're listening to on Valley. And if you're a startup, you should listen up because Casted for Startups is definitely for you. They are offering exclusive deep discounts of up to 82% off retail price for qualifying startups. Connect with Casted at casted.us slash powderkeg.